I'm not off the book All right, we are rolling. Coming down in three, two, and one. We're all back together again. It is time for another exciting episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where each and every week we get to hang out and talk about the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999, episode 192. Fred Fargo, do you believe that? Episode 192. I don't. It could be episode, right? Because I think this will come out after our Thanksgiving episode. So I think this might be episode 193, technically. I don't oh, know. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing track. Episode 193. <laughs> we don't even know, but it's up there. We we're don't even reaching know. 200. Like, we're like, how many episodes of Friends it w- was there? Probably less than that. Let's look at that. Rest in peace, Matthew Perry. Yes, yes. Uh, 236 episodes of Friends. So we still have a little ways to go. But we're getting there. Yeah, hey, and we're not ready to quit. So Nope. And we're not making $10 million an episode or whatever. They, or they were making a million an episode. But the good thing about Friends, that they make like $20 million a year, each of them, in residuals. So, boy. We don't even make half that. Yeah. You know, but are they happy, though, Brett? Are they happy? Obviously not. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know what happened with Matthew Perry if he relapsed. I know there was talk about that. Yeah. Addiction is such a horrible thing. It's just so irrational that rational people can't even, like, understand it. But people who are addicts can tell you it's just not an easy thing. So it's sad. And I hope anybody who is addicted to anything gets help because there's only one way to go with addiction, and that's down. Unless you're addicted to the Only Three Lads podcast, in which case it's all sunshine and lollipops. It is like blowing sunshine up your backside. It is feels good mm-hmm. and it's good for you. What are some things that feel good and are good for you? Let's think about that for a split second. You know, like a hug. That's always yeah. good. You know, mm-hmm. like like that's supposed to help uh, lower your heart rate and your blood pressure. Um, so that's always nice. Uh, what else? Yeah, is- an old kiss and a canoodle. Yeah. So to speak. Mm -hmm. Canoodles are good too, just by themselves. Canoodles are fantastic. (laughs) Big fan of canoodles. Amen. All right. So let's talk about what we're talking about this week. We have the top five life after punk artists. You could go back and trace the roots of punk rock as far back as you could rock and roll, really, right? I mean, you could call Jerry Lee Lewis or Little Richard one of the first punks. You could call garage bands from the 60s or... The kinks or the pretty things or the stooges or whatever and probably make a valid point. I was thinking of the punk rock revolution that first swept around 1976 and 1977, around that era. Punk rock as we know it on this show inspired so many well-known musicians to pick up instruments, to write songs, to start bands, to play gigs, release DIY records. But what happened after that initial rush of punk rock? You know, you saw some people who held on to that punk rock ideology for dear life, and some were more embarrassing than others. Yeah. A lot of people use punk as a springboard to pursue other decidedly non-punk musical avenues. The way I looked at it was, who was most successful in shaking off the shackles and the safety pins of punk? I think for me, it's the same way. I kind of went with the original punk explosion of the 70s and then how people evolved from there. There's something that is uh, uh, good for you and feels good, evolution. Um, You know, like I got my thumbs recently and it is awesome. Evolution, boys and girls, it's really good. You finally did, huh? I got them. I got them. Um, There's people in Eloy, Arizona still don't have them, but I just got mine being in Arizona. So really exciting. Are they opposable in everything? Oh, dude, they came in perfectly. It's crazy. Have you tried hitching yet? Not yet, no. No, I don't think, yeah. I don't want to get, you know, my naughty stop, spot uh, touched as I'm trying to look for a ride. I'd rather just walk. Oh, some people are no fun. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I don't. I just want to stay out of trouble. That's just my whole thing there. So um, trying to live a good life. That's what I was looking at it is like people from the 70s, you know, those punk bands and then how they evolved into something that wasn't so punk, but still was awesome or something yep. that I still love to listen to. Good. We are on the same wavelength. And I don't know if we are. 
if uh, I've already worn bread, I had I stayed up for like 24 hours because I got up early like a normal rooster. And then I went to go see a concert. I went to go see Blue October. And I just didn't get home to real late before we recorded this podcast. So if my brain, as I like to say, Bidens or hiccups, just ignore it and know that next week I'll be back. But you had a good time at Blue October. Let me tell you, Blue October is such an incredible band. If you get a chance to ever see them live or even just go listen to their music again, because everyone knows Call Me or Hate Me, newer songs like I Hope You're Happy, the honesty that comes from Justin Furstenfell, I think I said his name correctly or possibly incorrectly. I wouldn't be surprised. I won't challenge you. Sure. But Blue October is just an honest band that you could connect emotionally with. And every, like there was 2,000 people at, and this venue is called the Van Buren in Phoenix. It's a great venue. The sound was so perfect. I was just blown away and I had a great time. But everybody there was like a religious experience. So if you're a fan of Blue October, you know what I'm talking about. And mm, so okay. um, just an incredible band. So if you ever get the chance, please go see those guys live. That was their big song. Yeah, hey, that was me a really today. big song. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, but yeah. they had, yeah, um, but they have so many. Like, you would be so upset with yourself because of what you've missed since Hate Me if you mm. jump down the wormhole of Blue October. And so now they're kind of DIYing it themselves. They have their own record label and they're surviving and they're writing music that they want and no one's telling them. And it's just incredible. Just an incredible band. Well, glad you did that. I uh, drank only water, uh, Liquid Death. Um, somebody asked, you know, is liquid death cool? It's, like, it's, it's water in a can. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> but I think that the marketing behind liquid death was such a smart move because now I can walk around concerts instead of a little plastic bottle, I can carry a can and it doesn't look like you had an alcohol problem yeah, and now yeah. you're sober, you know? Yeah. You still look cool, right? Yeah. You, you still look like Bob bitching. And they've branched down to iced teas. Oh, wow. See, now that's good. Now, I know I was, okay, now we're talking about liquid death and we're boring the hell out of people. But I know that like they started, it was the whole idea of people looking cool, you know, going out with the sober, whatever, with the can. But then they were getting like their water from somewhere in Europe, but that was too expensive. So now they're going, you know, I guess they dig deep into the ice or whatever horse crap. They probably have a monkey that turns on the water faucet or it's like a hose coming from someone's backyard and then they just, you know, it goes through a filter and it's ice cold and liquid death. Or maybe it doesn't go through a filter. Maybe that's why no, it's liquid death. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It goes through a scrotum. Live on the and edge. And then it goes in and that's the filter. And then boom, liquid death. <laughs> Suck it up, kids. Dude, what's like you go to a concert, it's like five to seven bucks for this can of water. Oh Feels gosh, like we're such horrible. suckers. <laughs> such suckers. One's born every minute. Bartim and Bailey. Well, let's get going. We've rambled on long enough. And first, I just want to say, I want to thank everyone who has come into our lives through this podcast. If you're here, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. Have a lot of fun doing this. Learn a lot from a lot of people. I haven't been on social media a lot, but I know that when I do get on it, I go right to our page, the Only Three Lads Facebook page, and I get to like learn things from people and I learn about music and then I can go down that wormhole Yep. Uh, because I have no control of my TV anymore. My son is always on it, and so I don't watch TV anyway, so I escape into music. I've only said that about 6,000 times on this podcast, but uh, I want to thank everyone for their participation and their trust, and I can't think of a third thing because my brain is starting to Biden. So I can't say it better than that. All right. And I, nor can I think of a third thing. So. Yeah, okay. Well, then maybe your brain's got the hiccups right now, too. So top five, life after punk artists. Well, this is one band that I was uh, been listening to all week now because looking at this topic, they were from the ashes of a punk band called Darlin. And they became a French duo formed in Paris in 1993. They took house music, mixed it with funk, disco, techno, rock, and synth pop. I remember the first time I ran into this band, I 1997, I went to Athens, Greece. We landed, I got into the hotel room, put on MTV Europe or MTV Greece or MTV whatever it was. And it was one of the first videos that came on around the world. Of course, I'm talking about Daft Punk. 
Now, the cool thing about Daft Punk, the name was taken from a negative review in Melody Maker for the band Darlin'. So, you know what? You take lemons and you make lemonade, like around the world. Da Funk, Get Lucky, One More Time, and I could just list off 10,000 other songs that this duo did. And like two years ago, one of the guys left. They just, he didn't want to be a robot anymore. I don't know what it was, but uh, they're still friends. And I read that they still like share equipment and stuff. So it wasn't anything nasty. They just wanted to go in two different directions. And there you go. So number five for me, Daft Punk. I have a feeling Daft Punk will be back one day. Uh, maybe. Well, I know that they're older. I don't know exactly their ages, but I know like that was one of the things that one of the, like, I remember like two years ago, there was talk like one of the guys wanted to retire. One guy wanted to go into more hip hop. One guy wanted to go into films. So I don't know what, who or what, but I just know that I like the band and what they put out. And sometimes it's fun to be driving down the road and just hearing that beat. Good stuff. Well, my number five is the artist formerly known as Dottie Danger, the short-lived drummer for the Germs, although she never actually recorded or performed live with them, and the backing singer for Black Randy and the Metro Squad. Of course, you may know her as Belinda Carlisle, the cherubic, short, spiky-haired lead singer of the all-girl L.A. punk band, The Go-Go's. Yeah, the Go-Go started as punks, and you can hear the genesis of their punk rock roots on the great mid-90s collection, Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's. But by the time that IRS Records got their mitts on them, this group of troublemakers blossomed, at least as far as the public perception was concerned, into sun-kissed new wave pop princesses who were role models for young girls and daydream fodder for squeaky-voiced adolescent boys. Even if their behind-the-music lifestyle was more akin to punk rock, they were a masterful pop band. They released three albums of sparkling, effervescent, endlessly catchy, and era-defining music. Now, the breakup of the Go-Go's as a unit didn't stop Belinda's own personal evolution. Despite addictions and personal demons, she continued to morph into a bona fide pop star, sleek, sophisticated, and yes, beautiful. Mad About You could have made a wonderful Go-Go single. You also had the 1987 album Heaven on Earth, which was absolutely everywhere at the time, including my school. Spawned the hit kind of title track, Heaven is a Place on Earth. I Get Weak, Circle in the Sand, just a fantastic record. The Runaway Horses was a critical success, if not the commercial smash that they had hoped for. But it did give her her last two top 40 singles in the U.S., and it found her playing with an impressive roster of musicians like George Harrison and Steve Lukather. She continued to sell well in the U.K., at least, throughout the 90s. She's also enjoyed a string of victory laps with the Go-Go's. She remains an icon. So I would say number five, Life After Punk artist. I'm giving it to Belinda Carlisle this week. Oh, see, now you went artist, and I was thinking about that, but I went bands mostly. I went both. I, I, okay, I did a little of both. Little of both. I thought Greg just ruined everything. No, no, no. It depends on who. And I do want to say she also sold very well in France. In France. Yeah, she released an album in France. Yeah, and uh, she's just incredible. And I'll never forget, I was so excited. You know, me and my smut. August 2001, when she was in Playboy, I remember running out. I, that was like my first celebrity crush. And I still think that she's awesome. She is awesome. Do you still have that issue? I do not, know, But I can always go to Google and you put in her name, August 2001 Playboy, and you get to see the onion, the whole thing. Now, it's not like Spread Eagle Hustler. It's very tastefully done. Yeah. Well, she's a classy lady. Yeah. And I know Brett is now Googling right now, but I've I'll seen wait them. till later. I've seen them, Greg. No, you really? I doubt it. I bet you didn't run out and buy that Playboy the first day. Like it was like for me, like, cause I was like, oh, well, let's see the goods. You know what I mean? And no, if she's going to show it, no. I didn't, I didn't want to be that guy that would like, you know, if she's going to say, look at this and I'm going to look at it. So I don't have to like offend her at all. Well, it'd be rude. That's like, what a great guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're a gentleman that way. <laughs> great guy. <laughs> I know. All right. <laughs> 
Are you ready for number four? I sure am. Drum roll, please. It it is an intelligent pick. The Go-Go's couldn't say it any better. They started on the L.A. punk scene 1978, went on to popularize New Wave for the U.S., and I can't say anything more or better than what Brett just said. Stick to my August 2001 Playboy pinup and leave it right there. Number four, the Go-Go's. That was a good life after punk moment in August 2001. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. God bless them. I'm wondering how much crossover we will have. It will not be my number four. So my number four choice goes to a name who may not be extraordinarily well known, but he was an essential part of the 1977 UK punk boom. Born Victor John Knapper, but better known as Vic Goddard, he was the lead singer of the group Subway Sect. Subway Sect were formed by a group of Sex Pistols fans at the insistence of Pistols manager Malcolm McLaren, who was looking for an act to expand the lineup for his punk festival at London's 100 Club. And then after that gig, they were signed by Clash manager Bernie Rhodes. So the band released a couple of crucial punk singles, both in 1978. Nobody's Scared was the first one. And then Ambition. And then while they were recording their debut album, the band was sacked. Just one of many, uh, many moments of misfortune in Vic Goddard and Subway Sex's career. That may have effectively ended Goddard's reign as a true punk rocker, but he was so set on making the remainder of his career unpunk that it's almost punk again. So he formed a new band called Subway Sect, and they released a fantastic 1980 album, What's the Matter, Boy? Highly recommended that picks up some cues from rockabilly and 60s pop and ends up sounding a lot like proto-indie pop. It's a sound that he would continue on the absolute classic 1981 single, Stop That Girl on Rough Trade. You better stop that girl, she's heading for the one you And then the band broke up again, only to pick up the pieces with another band called... Yes, you guessed it, Subway Sect! The next album is one of the biggest about faces of the era. So sure, you had artists like Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson who put their own touches on the sound of the classic American songbook. But Vic Goddard went full on crooner for 1982's album, The Songs for Sale. It's a great off-kilter record with this version of Subway Sec being able to swing somewhat convincingly, although they have enough rough edges not to be confused with a proper jazz band. And Goddard's not technically that gifted of a singer to pass for somebody like Michael Buble. But what's more impressive is that aside from a couple of standards like Cole Porter's Love for Sale, all of the tracks are Goddard originals. So he demonstrates his uncanny knack for that style of songcraft. Not a silly condition. A little bit after this album, Goddard would kind of retire and give up on the music business and he would pursue a day job as a postman. But he's continued to make music throughout the years. He's far from prolific, but he has given us a career of wonderful, stylistically eclectic material in the intertwining years, usually backed by some combination of musicians calling themselves Subway Sect. Number four is Vic Goddard with or without Subway Sect. Wow. So you go from being in a band to being a postman who always rings twice. Ah, there you go. Damn. Yeah. And hey, well, how about that? That's a good job to get, though. I was I worked at the post office for a short time. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I I should still be there. If I stayed there, I'd probably be retired by now. But what happened was uh, I knew I'd be a single dad soon. 
So I had to, because they, they, the people at the post office, I know you people probably think, oh, government work or, you know, good enough for government work. People at the post office bust ass. They're all really good people. So if you get the chance, thank them. It's really weird because like the post office, it's one of those things that people are so used to, you know, it's kind of like yeah. you have to have those things that in life. And let me tell you, like post men and women, like they'll be in the same neighborhoods and they'll be like, see, you know, three generations. They'll have like a kid who grows up, has a kid and then, and they're still delivering mail. So that's like what is very consistent in life. I think that's the word I was. So it's the consistency of America. Sure. Is when the postman drops stuff off. And when like a postman goes on vacation, people are calling, what happened to the postman? And because they're like worried about this person who comes to their house and says hello every day, and then they disappear. And when they retire, it becomes a big thing because the neighborhood is all up in arms because there is this person who was there for 30 years. And so it's a really cool thing. I could have stayed there, but they work crazy hours and I was not going to be able to do that and be a single papa. Rain, sleet, snow. Yep. And so I got back into radio. <laughs> Sucked you back in. Chew glass, sons of bitches. Woo. Yeah. Who's going postal now, huh? Exactly. Oh, could have been there. I was there. No, it, but, you know, once you get in, you're in. And uh, so, but it's, it, it is a good organization and you always hear like, oh, well, they're $5 billion. There are certain federal laws to where they have to put so much towards retirement and that's where they get into mm. trouble. Like you hear like those billions of dollars, it always has to do with the retirement stuff. So it's not like they're goofing around over there. Thank your postal worker. Thank your postal worker. I've been watching a lot of uh, Indian scamming videos to fall asleep at, or actually. Well, uh, okay, wait, 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 okay, wait, wait, back what? it up. What? You watch Indian scamming videos to fall asleep to. Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yeah, I, I find them incredibly entertaining, but they do usually put me to sleep. The scam baiters, the guys that okay. are like cracking the cases. Oh, okay, and stuff. okay, okay. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. like leading them on. Okay. No, they're fantastic because I love jacking with those people when they call me. Mm -hmm. I'm learning all about money mules and you know how the stuff goes through the post. And there's people that will uh, send them cash money They'll hide it in books and stuff and send it through the mail. And then uh, they go to a money mule who then takes a video opening the package and counting all the money and then diverts it to the scammer who, I hate to say it, just the videos I watch are either all uh, in India or Nigeria. Who falls for that? Hide money in a book and send it and then we'll make, you know, I'm a Nigerian prince where if you send me $200, I'll send you 200000 There are people that do. Well, yeah. Well, see, Americans, we all want something for nothing. You know what I mean? That's like in bread inside our culture, you know, where it's like the easy money. But that's why- when the lottery's up, I'll put two bucks, maybe four bucks. But you got some people who are just putting in a way more money than that. And uh, it's because of that something for nothing. But that doesn't work. Generally not. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes, yes, people get lucky. It was based on a true story, but there was a movie made, a couple in Massachusetts who mathematically figured out how to come out ahead in the uh, lottery. But they were buying tens of thousands of dollars worth of tickets every time. But they had like a system. Yeah, they had a system. See, what I do is I go quick pick. I've never won, obviously. No. Because I would be like, oh, I'm not in Phoenix. I'm in Thailand. Or I'm in, this week I'm in uh, Vietnam. Or I'm in Australia. So if you hit the lottery, Brett, so I know we're just rambling on. Yep. But if you had it, where, where would be the first place? Because I think travel is something everyone would want to do. Absolutely. Where is the one place that you would like to travel to? Uh, Australia and New Zealand. You want to be a hobbit. And then Europe. And then uh, South America. I really want to go to Brazil. I think I would want to go to Colombia or Col Col Colombia because that's that seems like a good place. And everyone's beautiful there. I don't know if you've noticed yeah, that. I have. It's like, I don't know what's in the water, but boy, even like the ugly person- you know, would be like at least a strong seven here. My girl Shakira's from Colombia, right? Colombia. I believe so. Yes. I yeah, she Shakira. Is. Shakira. She's one of my celebrity crushes. Really? Yeah. I do like me some Shakira. Yes. I stood not far from her one time. Uh, did you? I did. We were in, okay. uh, I was I was covering back in my newsman days, immigration stuff here in Arizona, which is always, you know, a big thing. Right. And she came here for the immigration protest and she was talking on stage. And I remember looking at her. Yeah. She is a beautiful person. That's for sure. You lucky son of a gun. Uh, well, if I would have, I didn't know you back then. 
I would have said, hey, my buddy Brett, he can, can you sign this for him? And it might be my bare ass because uh, that's what I would want. But Well, just take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send you a picture of my chonies. Yes. Where's your chonies? Uh, they haven't been washed yet. Yeah. You signed them, Shakira. <laughs> oh, talking about chonies. I had said this to my baby mama and she thought I was serious, but it was so perfect. We're talking about dirty underwear. I don't know why. I can't even know. I can't even tell you how we As got there. As one does. Yeah. That's what, you know. It was probably laundry day. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, but don't you wear your underwear for like four days? And she's like, what? I go, yeah, you wear them. Uh, one way, then you turn them around and then the next day you put them inside out. And then, so you can get like four days of wear with one pair of underwear. And she was like, tell me you're joking. And I was like, what? No, that is, isn't that what you do? And I go, that's what I've done since I was a kid. And she was like, for like a second there, she thought that I was dead serious. So I played it off pretty good. Wow. Yeah. And for you to gross her out is amazing. <laughs> yep. That's very true. But there you go. More into the realm of Uncle Greg. Or this week, since we're talking about punk, it's Greg Grinder this week. Greg Grinder, yes. And I am, because I couldn't think of a cool alliteration, I am a Thrasher Rotten. But there's already Thrash. Johnny. I don't know. Well, but that's where they got it, because you know, like a punk engine to get your punk name. Of course, it's going to be Rotten. It's going to be Sid. It's going to be Vicious. It's going to be, yeah. you know. Yeah, I cheated. I cheated. Richard I used Hell, the punk rock Hell. name generator. Yours actually took some thought and actual artistic license well i think at first it was like gary glitter so i was thinking gary grinder but i was like hey you don't want to be gary glitter no i do not i do love his stuff though but i do uh, too his personal I mean, life, his music yeah 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 not his child porn we don't like no. that stuff no um, we do not support nor endorse that yeah no, no, no. no nor did anybody else did so that's why i think he's no. now on the sidelines he's done he's canceled yes. as they say so yes, he is canceled. Okay. So I should be Brett Brutal. Hmm. Brett Brutal's good. There's gotta be something else. Brett, what's a good BR word? Brett Brittle. No, see now this is not anything on your personality, but Brett Bastard. Okay. Brett Bastard. Because <laughs> that's kind of like it's shocking. You know what I mean? Brett Bastard. That sounds okay. like a punk name. Sure. All right, there you go. It's All right, I'm in. Greg Grinder and Brett Bastard. We're going to come back. What are we going to do for music during this break? Or do we got any like punk bands we could introduce some music? Do we have uh, old stuff? Do, do, has, has, has Brett Bastard made any punk songs recently? Uh, recently, I would say that my single earlier in the year, New Era, could qualify as kind of punkish. Well, then let's play that. Okay. And, and we're going to release it under the name Brett Bastard. And his new punk song is going to be a remix. So just like uh, make like a little bridge somewhere where. Yeah. You know, so. And that'll be the remix. A rap breakdown. Yeah, there you go. A rap breakdown. Yeah. See, it's getting better and better all the time. Oh, the more we talk, the better it gets. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. But um, hey, thank you once again for being a part of our lives. And uh, yes. sorry, sometimes it's good. Sometimes like right now, it's not. But we'll be back to take a look at our number three on our top five life after punk artists here on O3L. This is a holiday, this is a battle cry. No use of forks, you should give a million reasons why. The haze is lifting, but it left us with a bad angle. Let us make a bet that we will tear it up and fall over. This is a new hour, this is a new era. This is a new day, this is a new era. This is a new year, this is a new era now. Whatever is your cause, whatever is your dream Whatever gets you driven, pumping through your own machine No time to be complacent, devise a perfect scheme Stand up, take action, raise your fist, release a scream This is a new hour, this is a new era This is a new day, this is a new era This is a new year, this is a new era now And when they tell you they'll put you in your place Give a million reasons why 
Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Jamie Hoover with the Sponge Tones, and thank you for listening. And please listen to the Only Three Lads podcast often. Thank you once again for being here. Don't forget, get go to our get. Let's rewind that one and start it over again. Come on, Greg Grinder. Greg Grinder. Oh yeah. Just wanted to say thank you for being here. And if you do get a chance, please head over to our Facebook page. Um, maybe you can think of your own punk name and put it in there so that we can take a look at our punk names. Again, Greg Grinder, Brett Bastard. We're here with you this week talking about our top five life after punk artists. And it's amazing. You know, when I was thinking of that did not make my list, I'll talk about them, but Sting. But then I thought was police like, were they a punk band or more of a reggae band? So you could make a case for that because I think they were lumped in generally, you know, in the 70s, it didn't take a lot for you to be lumped in with the whole punk movement. Right. I mean, pretty much every band that was coming up that, you know, I think we now considered to be new wave at one time was considered part of this whole general punk thing. Like if you remember, you know, like, uh, you know, staying with fields of gold, I think that was 95. Yeah. You know, yeah like, and and then was. like something with the turtles, something with the blue turtles. That Dream was, of the blue turtles. Oh, there you go. So like that was not punk, but amazing, but not punk. The police I tolerate. I like some of the, I actually like the police's first album pretty well. Some of their other stuff's all right. Sting solo. Eh, snooze fest really i think fields of gold is a good song i mean he has some yeah. good singular songs i can't listen to a lot of sting solo it just bores me to tears okay so like on a road trip you're not going to put in a sting album yeah if i want to find myself flown off the side of a cliff then okay well, maybe there you go. all right so brett bastard not a big sting fan boy so. You ready for my number three? Yeah, let's go number three. Let's do it. I get myself into trouble with the legions of Sting obsessives. Well, yeah, it's always good to stay out of trouble. Hey, I'm punk, man. Hey, no, you love trouble. That's right. Brett Bastard. Shove it up your arse. All right. Well, this band started off as the young Aborigines. They used to hit the stage with the misfits and bad brains. They started embracing hip hop and they paved their own path. Of course, I'm talking about Mike D, MCA, Ad Rock. And it really all started when they were leaving their punk past, their 1983 comedy hip hop single, Cookie Puss, 
uh, had them transition to hip hop. Of course, talking about the Beastie Boys. And damn right, you have to fight for your right to party. Remember when that video hit MTV? Carrie King from Slayer. I remember Slayer. And there he is with the Beastie Boys. And that song was so huge. Couldn't escape it. And then, um, you know, imagine being on the being on the stage with Misfits and Bad Brains and then opening up for the Bengals. I think that was the first huge tour that the Beastie Boys went on. That is a huge jump going from punk to being one of the most influential artists in the world, especially with hip hop. Them, Beastie Boys. I applaud you. Great, Thank you. great pick. I totally didn't even think about the Beastie Boys, and you're absolutely right. From hardcore yeah. to hip hop. Yep, and then it makes me want to crave a Carvel cookie puss. I think I've been to Carvel, but I don't know if I ever had a cookie puss. Well, next time you get to Carvel's, make sure and get a cookie puss, just for the you know pure joy of it, and just think of yeah. the Beastie Boys. MCA, RIP cookie puss so for my number three i'm going with the lead singer of the killjoys who is the uh, mixed gender birmingham punk band who also featured bassist Ghislaine weston who would go on to play in all-female british metal band girl school so the name of that singer was kevin Rowland. After the Killjoys won and only single 1977's Johnny Won't Get to Heaven and a series of other recordings that would go unissued for many years, Roland became disillusioned with punk rock and decided to pursue his passion for soul music with Killjoys guitarist Kevin Archer, and they formed what band, Greg? Dexie's Midnight Runners. Dexie's Midnight Runners, that is correct. So the 1980 classic debut by Dexie searching for the Young Soul Rebels wasn't miles away from punk in ideology or style, especially with the band looking like a gang of dock workers <laughs> who would either rough you up or meet you in the bathroom. But with its bright horns and Roland's pop smarts and idiosyncratic vocal styling, it was a far cry from anarchy in the UK. The tribute to soul legend Gino Washington hit number one, and the follow-up There There My Dear cruises to number seven. Second album, Two Rye, showed the band stretching out to incorporate some Celtic influence, including the virtuosic fiddle of Helen O'Hara, of course, featuring the global smash Come on, Eileen. You'll come around, Greg. The first seven million times you hear that song, it's very catchy. It's a great song. It real, that's why everyone loves it. But when I hear it now, you know how, like you say, your skin crawls? My skin peels from bone now when I hear that song. That's the only difference. God love them. God, people who love that song. I just can't hear it again. And I can't see like, oh, my God, it, you know, the big hits of the 90s. Come on, Eileen. Da, 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 da. You know what probably helps me? I don't I don't listen to radio. Maybe that helps. Maybe. Maybe. Well, now it's like no one really it's not like the 80s, 90s and today. Now it's 90s till now. And so they're kind of like cutting out like that 80s stuff. And so now they're all getting into 90s. Yeah, 80s have their own format now. Yeah. It's, it's the new oldies. The final Dexys album, the 80s, Don't Stand Me Down, was absolutely lambasted in its day. It's now recognized as a classic, full of quirky, conversational extended vignettes, defeated by at least the perceived failure of that album, and then furthered by critics and the public ignoring his 1988 solo album, The Wanderer. Roland retreated for a solid decade, unfortunately plagued by a bunch of addictions, but then he returned in 1999 at the age of 46 dressed in women's lingerie, wearing makeup and posing in a pink boudoir for the cover of his album, My Beauty. Meant to be his comeback album, it's said to have been the worst-selling album on Creation Records ever. It was an album that had a whole wide range of covers. The Schlockfest, the greatest love of all. I decided long ago I didn't want to walk in anyone's shadow If I 
daydream believer, squeezes labeled with love, the marmalade's reflections of my life. It received mixed reviews, yet again ended up achieving cult status and actually hit the charts when it was re-released a few years ago. Now, the 21st century has seen Roland rebooting Dexies with multiple lineups and varying degrees of artistic success, but I will make a plug. 2012's album, One Day I'm Going to Soar, in my opinion, is as good as anything he's ever done. So Roland is now 70 years old. Dexies has a new album out this year, but what's important is that Roland remains restless, visionary, and totally unique 46 years after his flirtation with punk rock. So number three for me, Kevin Roland. Good pick. I know I want to hear that album from 2012. It's really good. It kind of picks up actually where Don't Stand Me Down left off. He has a female vocal foil in the band and they do a lot of like back and forth. It's both flirtatious a little bit and they constantly put each other down. So it's kind of funny. I was just thinking that if it was more relaxed, a bit less rigid, it might work better. No, it's all or nothing. I see. All or nothing. Or nothing. Yes. Do you have a view on open relationships? I don't mean that in a gay way. Does it freak you out that the artist that you're listening to is 70 years old now? You know, like I remember seeing that video on MTV way back when, when he, I mean, that's like 40 years ago, when he was 30. What happened to time? Yeah, I mean, he was still relatively older in, you know, a very young man's game at the time. Well, that's like with Riss, uh, Rick Okasik from the Cars. Mm-hmm. You know, when he died, it was like, he's 70. No, he's 75. It's Okasik, Okasik. You know, let's call the whole thing off. Because, But then it was Okasik. <laughs> why didn't he tell us that? I mean, why did he let us think it was Okasik for so long? And then to find out that he was not 70, he was 75. Kind of just lied about his age, not lied about it. He just didn't let people know because he was like 35, 40 when the cars took off and he would have been grandpa pa in a young man's game. He got Paulina Portsakova or whatever her name is. So yeah, yeah. He won. He's he won at life. Home. Yeah. Oh, he sure did. Gosh. Yep. But he, all the music he made, he's so amazing. You know, and there's somebody hopefully is listening to his music right now, some kid and going, this is what I want to do with my life. And then we're, we're going to get more amazing stuff. It's like, you know, you got to pick the fruit, eat it, and then you're going to, you know, make a, a new seed. Is that my brain hiccuping? Did that make sense at all? It kind of, yeah. Oh, okay, kind of good. You're saying that uh, humans are like birds ingesting the stuff and then leaving little droppings. Right. And then that grows into something new because we mm-hmm. influence those. So that's why something like that. I don't know. I, I got it. I mean, it strangely made Thank sense. Thank you. Okay, well, see, see, thank God. If you didn't get it, uh, I want to thank Brett for being the interpreter. And uh, I hope it, it was meant to be positive. So hopefully. We'll it sounded positive. Okay, yeah. good. All right, good. That's, that's what I was going for. All right, number two for me. Love this band. And the very first time when I played these guys on the radio station, who would have thought that they would have accomplished what they did? I wouldn't have. Because the song was about masturbation. The song was Longview. Green Day started off with that 924 Gilman Street DIY pedigree. And then they went from Lookout Records to selling roughly 75 million albums worldwide. They went from their humble punk beginnings to the rock opera of American Idiot back in 2004. They have a new album, Saviors, released. It's going to be January 19th. Their new single, The American Dream is Killing Me, which is kind of going back to kind of like a little more of the early punk sound. But like in 2020, that song, Father of All Mofos, my God, that song is so awesome. And it sucks that radio or like, if you haven't heard that song, please listen to it. You'll just be amazed. They still are a little punk, but they've accomplished so much and they're just so awesome. I think going from that hardcore punk to what they are now, that was enough for me to say that uh, life after punk artists 
And of course, their early stuff in the 90s too, but I'll never forget to seeing them in Lollapalooza. I've told this story a thousand times. Well, not a thousand, but 999. We round up. Yeah, so I apologize. I remember when they were Lollapalooza, they were during the day. It looked like water, but it was human beings going from the lawn into the reserve section, tearing seats out of the concrete just to be close to Green Day. And that is punk to me. And now who they are, they're all awesome. So number two, Green Day. I'll still shut up now. That's not just punk. That's like superhuman strength. That's tough to do. It was the weirdest thing. I was sitting there watching this because I kind of was on the grass, but I was working it with the radio station. And then you could just see everyone handing back rows of seats and we're throwing them into the grass. Wow. Because it was during the day. It wasn't pack pack yet, you know, because that song Basket Case, it was just starting to really blow up. And they didn't call it like the riot police or anything? Like gas them? No, no. They, they just, you know, I guess it was like one like row of seats. So I don't know. I'm sure. Wow. But whoever had those seats who were going to get there later on during the <laughs> night, we have to go to work. You know, you have those true like younger people who just like they're going to call in or they're going to quit their job. They're going to smoke weed. They're going to spend three days in line. This was back in those days. You would spend three days in line not eating, you know, trying to get water from the different fast food places around you, you know, just to get tickets. And then you got the people who are going to rattle their jewelry and uh, get there at six o'clock and so that they can see Smashing Pumpkins headline. The rest of you just rattle your jewelry. Yes. Great John Lennon line. Yes, it is. I did that for you because I know Thank you. what a huge Thank you so much. What a huge emotional impact their new song has had on you. I gotta say I have been on a Beatle high this past week. Yeah, we had now and then come out, which I love it, but I didn't expect any differently. And then the remixed versions of the Red and Blue album. Well, on the most part, the remixes are very, very successful. At the time of recording, Now and Then by the Beatles is the number one song in the UK. I'm looking forward to seeing how it fares on the US charts. If you recall during the daytime saving, that one last weekend. Yeah, daylight saving time. Yeah. Well, I had sent you that meme that says, uh, wow, just how far back did the clocks go, basically? Yes. And it was like a record store window saying um, Rolling Stones, number one album, new Beatles single. So it's kind of like kind of funny. I actually posted that on our page a couple weeks ago. Oh, did you look at that? I did. Yeah. Hot damn. Maybe it wasn't on the O3L page. Maybe it was on my page. Whatever. Uh, who cares? Yeah. doesn't matter. Who cares? I didn't make it. I stole it and sent it to you because I know you would enjoy it. It was very funny. Very funny. Well, I stole it from Ray Paul, who I'm assuming stole it from somebody else. That is to say, Ray Paul did not draw that comic. He didn't steal it. He liberally borrowed it. Yes. So that was your number two, Green Day. Yes, sir. Well, my number two is Sanit. So, Sanit? Yeah, that's a great band, Sanit. Who went to see Blue October last night? <laughs> it was me. It was you. Okay, I just had to check that. I, I was probably watching scamming videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I'm tired. All right, well, my number two is Susan Janet Ballion. Otherwise known as Susie Sue, the singular talent who started her punk rock journey with her friend Steve Severin as a part of the Bromley contingent, who is the group of fans who would follow the Sex Pistols around. So true to the aesthetics of Malcolm McLaren's sex shop, Susie adopted a bondage-inspired look. Black leather, fishnets, blood-red lipstick, cat-eye makeup. From there, Susie and Steve would soon form Susie and the Banshees, like Subway Sec, debuting at the 100 Club Festival without even really knowing what they were doing. So she was on set with the Sex Pistols the night that they were on Bill Grundy's TV show with the very famous obscenity-laced diatribe. The reason why they launched into that tirade was because a very drunken Bill Grundy suggested that Susie meet him after the show. So Sex Pistols rallied together and let him have it. But after they brash an immediate early single Hong Kong Garden, Susie started distancing herself from the punk scene for something that was equally provoking and confident, but different. 
dark, mysterious, sinister, enveloping. Tracks that would follow like The Staircase, Metal Postcard, Christine, Spellbound, virtually wrote the sonic book for what would become known as goth, providing immeasurable inspiration for bands from The Cure to Clan of Zymox to Altered Images. Even though the jagged urgency of punk would continue to inform her work on classic records like Kaleidoscope and Juju, she was continuing to develop a persona that was also playful, poppy, entrancing, and really beautiful. Peekaboo, for example, is worlds away from the staircase, or the bewitching Kiss Them For Me, or Oh Baby, or something as breathtakingly gorgeous as Dazzle, or The Last Beat of My Heart, or The Rapture. So Susie may have began life as a punk, but she remains a true original and a true legend. So number two for me, Susie Sue. saw her at the Cruel World Festival if you would have went back the next night. If I had gone back the next night, but I had uh, another show that night. Yeah, you did. I can't remember what it was now. Dang it. (laughs) Now his brain's hiccuping. I'm sure it must have been good, though. Yeah, you were looking very forward to it, I remember. Because you like were bummed out you couldn't go see Iggy Pop and Susie Sue. It must have been good. Must have been good. You see, kids, this is what happens. Like, if this was a 22-year-old Brett, he would know exactly where he was and what food he ate and everything. But he was like, I'm sure it was good. I'm sitting up. Woo! Well, now I'm going to rack my brain thinking of what that was. Well, we have to take a break. So while we're in this break, maybe you can, you know, it'll come back to you. And you'll go, oh, yeah, it was do-do-do-do-do. Maybe you'll go... And you can't remember still, but I'm sure you can look back maybe like in like your banking, uh, you'll see what you spent and you go, oh, okay, now I remember. Tell a Brett Bastard rolls. Oi. Brett Bastard. He's not worried about money. He's not worried about tomorrow. He's worried about right now. I'm not worried about things like memories. <laughs> memories. Memories. Memories are for wankers. <laughs> We're going to leave it right there. We'll be back with our number one top five life after punk artists after this. Hello, this is Jim Bob, and you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. We are back. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Each and every week, we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. And we rack our brains to remember what what did I see in May? May. Yeah. The Cure. It was The The Cure. Oh, how could you forget about The Cure? How could I forget? Oh, gosh. That's a good reason to miss Iggy Pop and Susie Sue. That was a long show. That was a three and a half hour show, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, Blue October. They didn't have an opening act. You know, the doors opened at eight and straight at nine o'clock, bang, they were on stage and then they jammed to close to 11. So, and but it it didn't even, it went by so fast. You're like, it's over. So did they have an opening act to cure? Uh, They did. They had the. Racking his brain again. Drum roll, please. Go. Scottish band. It's a (laughs) well-known It's a well-known well known band. band. I, can't, I can't think of them, though. <laughs> well-known. Proclaimers? Uh, uh, the Twilight Sad. The Twilight Sad. Okay. Whew. Oh, gosh. Man, Brett, is, his, his, his brain's going to cramp. He's been mm. using really that really deep, dark matter. It's all, yeah, all the folds gray matter. There. Things are getting lost. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. Yep, it gets filled Terrible. with gook when you get to our age. It's all the drugs I took back in 1977. Brett Bastard, there he is. Well, I'm, you know, Greg Grinder. We got uh, Brett Bastard. It is the only Three Lads podcast. Uh, again, please, when you see us post anything, if you can share it, because we want your friends to get involved. Also, when the episodes come out, if you can please share it, listen to it, rate it, because it helps with the algorithm. We would really appreciate it. We appreciate it verily. Yes, because we're doing really well. And it's because of you. I know with the Pantheon Podcast Network, did I say that right? Are we, is that you what did. we're on? Pantheon Podcast Network, that is what we're on. Oh, thank God. See, look at that. Again, Hiccup, we want to thank them too, because they've, we have definitely have a lot of new people stopping by and saying hello. It has been a really good thing for us. Yeah, definitely. Been a, been a good fit for us. And uh, 
I never mind. Never he mind. says he's thinking more. No, ladies and gentlemen, thinking more. What's the catalog number to that? Uh, seven. Okay, just that's seven. a good number. Mickey yeah, just- Mickey Mantle's number. That's a good one. Mickey Mantle's number. Yeah, look at that. Can remember these kind of uh, esoteric facts, but can't oh, remember yeah. little things. Anything that doesn't make me money. Comes right to the front. Any dumb smut. Well, that's why it's a good thing we do this podcast. <laughs> exactly. This is the very definition of knowing a bunch of little things and not making any money. <laughs> and thank you for tolerating us. We do appreciate it. Yeah, that is that is important. All right. So here we are. Number one, right. our top five life after punk artists. Crossover. All right. Well, you think it's going to be a crossover? Yes, I do. Well, then what's my number one, Brad? Uh, your number one is going to be New Order. No. No? No, but that would have been a great pick for me. I would have totally done that, but I didn't even oh. think of it. You know how like All you right. didn't think of the Beastie Boys? You're damn yep. right. Well, I guess I just gave away my number one. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> well, what's your number one? You know what I went with? And I don't, this might be like a controversial pick. Yoko. No, I don't think she was ever oh. punk. Oh, yeah, she was. Annoying, but not punk. She was as punk as they get. Well, I went with a band that is really the foundation of British punk rock and kind of the foundation of this podcast because of everything that they did. I went with The Clash. That's a good one. Yeah, because they had like the you know the punk and they kind of went, you know, ska and then reggae. And then you got, you know, Mick Jones with Big Audio Dynamite. So maybe Mick Jones, if I was going to pick somebody from The Clash. Wild ride, I want to ride. But that's what I went with. And, you know, Joe Strummer, I was lucky enough because I this is one of those concerts I went to by myself. It was like in 2002, months before his death. Um, I knew he was coming. And I said, man, this may never happen again. Didn't play any Clash songs. Wish he did. Uh, But I met my friends there. So it all turned out okay. But he didn't play any Clash songs. I thought he did on his last tour. Maybe he did. I was drinking at that show. I was just thrilled to be in the same building as Joe Strummer. My brothers went on that tour. I never had a chance to see Joe Strummer, or I probably had a chance. I never did go to see Joe Strummer. I think I always assumed I would have a chance sometime. That's why I went. See, that's like Mm. another thing. We're talking about, you know, Kevin Rowland, 70 years old. If you want to go see some of these bands, this might be the last time around. When you're 70, hey, better living through chemicals, hopefully. A lot of these people took care of themselves throughout life. So that's going to help near the end of life. Plus our, you know, medical. Did, did you hear about, they had, they found a new breakthrough in cancer? No. The common person like you and I aren't going to be able to afford it or, you know, get it. But the rich people will. But hopefully one day it'll trickle down. That's what I'm hoping for. I saw it earlier. Something about they can program the cancer cells to explode. Really? So let me see. Or maybe I was dreaming it. Maybe that's my big million dollar idea. Somehow I can make a vibration or a frequency that will make cancer explode and then we can heal Earth. Google it. Now a child has a dream, but it begins like it ends. Shot in eternity. Google it. Let me see. Question. Here. Well, I was too busy Googling the Joe Strummer and the Mescalero set list. I'm assuming you saw the show on October 18th, 2001 at the Cajun House in Scottsdale. That's correct. I did see. That's where I was. It's a great set list, actually, but played Rudy Can't Fail, Police and Thieves, Police on My Back, Pressure Drop. I'm just thinking of songs that The Clash did. I Fought the Law, Bank Robber, London's Burning. And close with Blitzkrieg Bop, a cover. Yeah. That's cool. These people from another radio station, they kind of like, I, I ran into them and then they were trying to get me to, to come to their station. And I was like, mm. sure, let's talk dollars. And then we partied all night and they were buying my drinks. So that's why I remember. Okay. So I just looked it up though. Potential breakthrough cancer treatment entering clinical trials. Great hopes. Basically, they're calling it a kill switch that triggers death of cancer cells, a one-two punch. So not really sure what the hell that means, but it sounds good. It sounds great. And I would love for that to be a thing because cancer is such a a terrible, terrible killer. Yeah. And it's knocking on my door because how my parents died. Guess what? Cancer. Ding, ding. Mm. So, but I think I lived a little healthier than my parents. My father smoked, but then Mm. he found it. But I smoked too. God, smoking was great when I smoked. I 
I don't have dreams like I used to, but I'll tell you, I do miss it at times because the funnest, coolest people are like in the smoking section. They're sarcastic. People hate them, so they hate people back. It's so fun in the smoking section. It really is. <laughs> uh, I can't stand to be around people in the smoking section, so I'll take your word for it. I mean, maybe they stink, but their personalities are just a riot. They're a riot. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're yes. very wonderful people. I can't be around them. Well, so you know what my number one is? It's a band that started out as the Manchester punk band Warsaw in the late 70s with some relatively straightforward punk songs such as, well, Warsaw, All of This For You and Living in the Ice Age. But they also had an arsenal of songs that played more with the use of space that looked past the squall of punk rock and instead coasted on buoyant melodic bass lines and the brutal honesty of their singer's bruised baritone. We're talking tracks like Shadow Play, No Love Lost, and Transmission. Of course, that band would morph into Joy Division, unknowingly one of the architects of post-punk music. And they would produce two flawless albums in Unknown Pleasures and Closer, along with some scattered non-album singles like Atmosphere and Love Will Tear Us Apart. And of course, Joy Division came to a close in 1980 after Ian Curtis's suicide. They could have just hung it up there. They could have gone their separate ways. Instead, they carried on and called for a new order. Their early recordings, as brilliant as they were, understandably didn't veer too much from where Joy Division was going in their final days, songs like Ceremony and Procession, but the increasing influence of electronics and dance music soon allowed New Order to become their own beast, highly influential, highly successful. So just how successful? From 1981 to 1990, they racked up 17, 17 number one UK indie singles wow. with the other three that didn't hit number one hitting either number two or number three. That is a heck of a run. As far as the pop charts, they had eight top tens on the UK charts, the regular charts. They had airplay in the US on pop and modern rock radio and MTV. It was like mainstream pop music for the indie kids or a chance for the pop kids to obtain a little cutting edge cred. Let's not forget their all-time greatest life after punk move. Could be the greatest life after punk move of any band in history. An appearance on Baywatch where they're playing on the beach with Hoff and the gang. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. It does not get any better than that. That was the peak right there. That could have not only been the peak of New Order. That could have been the peak of mankind. Amen. Forget walking on the moon. I don't care. (laughs) Frolicking with the Hoff. Mm, yes. Hot Fantastic. Damn. And to this day, of course, they play to sell out crowds nationwide or worldwide, even without the defining base of Peter Hook, who, of course, is doing his own thing now with his band, The Light. And he plays to sell out crowds, too, playing Joy Division, New Order, Monaco songs. Not too shabby for the old Warsaw boys. So number one for me this week, I'm going to give it to New Order. Great pick. Likewise. Likewise. Great pick. Yeah, God, New Order. I just remember New Order, where I really ran into them was like, you know, back in the 80s, we had those teen nightclubs, or they have teen night, and then just when Blue Monday would come on, doom, 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 yep. doom, and that was like, everybody went crazy. That's the one thing. New Order. God, you're right. I'm still happy with The Clash, but New Order would be a damn good one. It was total crossover appeal, too, because I remember them being played on Power 106, which was the hit dance station in L.A. at the time. And, you know, they get played on K-Rock. Yeah. They were huge. Yeah, huge. Like, well, remember Danceteria? Was that um, mm-hmm. is that my brain? Yeah, I remember like all that stuff. Like that was kind of like the New Order feel to me. Good stuff. All right, let's run down lists. All right, let's do it. Here we are. This was going to be a short one, by the way, we thought, but I knew better. Shortish. Yeah, shortish. All right, top five life after punk artists. I kicked off my number five with Daft Punk. At number four, the only crossover, the Go Go's. 
We thought we'd have more crossovers. Yeah. At number three for me, Beastie Boys. At number two, Green Day. And number one, The Clash. Yep. So I was number five. Well, the Go-Go's, Belinda Carlisle in particular. Number four, Vic Goddard with and without Subway Sect. Number three, Kevin Rowland of The Killjoys and Dexie's Midnight Runners. Number two, Susie Sue. And number one, that whole Warsaw to Joy Division to New Order lineage. Nice. All right. Awesome lists. If you have one, get over to our Facebook page. Make sure and leave it there. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Just want to say we got to hit the randomizer, Brett. We have our December fun coming up, right? Oh, yeah. We have our holiday party. We have our best of the year list. It's going to be gobs of fun. Gobs. Well, do we say damn the randomizer and we just wing it from here? I suppose we could do that. All right. You know what the randomizer? You know what? Let's do that. Randomizer. Because we're up your nose with yeah, that's right, Brett Bastard and Greg Grinder. Hell with that randomizer. We're gonna do right, what we with want. With the all-time punk insult, up yeah. your nose with a rubber hose. There you go. Get off my case, toilet face. Yeah, what? sit on it. Wait. Sit on it. Sit on it, Potsy. All right then. Them punks, I tell you. <laughs> I, I guess we should just say goodbye and leave these nice people alone. Yeah, we probably should. You need some rest, and apparently, so do I. Sounds like a good good plan. Oi, thanks for listening. Get ready for a fun-filled December here on Only Three Lads. And on that note, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.